Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. So guys, we are here today to talk about something that I'm sure all of you have encountered in your daily life as a frustrating experience, and that would be construction. Constant. Constant construction. construction. So, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but where we live, construction seems like it is all the time, almost all year round, except no, when no, it's, it's like... definitely all year round. It is all year, isn't it? I it feel is like it's all, all year time. round. Yeah, I don't know how that's possible because then doesn't like water from snow get into cracks? Maybe that's just too logical. I don't know. I don't know. I have been dealing with construction as part of my life. I feel like it's been years now between oh, my house and my street oh that's so, true and so let's let's state that we are actually talking about like road construction yeah not necessarily about house construction although i can get totally into that different. guys let me tell you <laughs> didn't we say we we're gonna do an episode on we that? should totally we should um anyways another one so um we are talking about that and we are drinking uh groundwork grenache blanc yeah. Uh, from Paso Robles. Yeah. Exciting because we've never had a Grenache Blanc before. I don't even think I've ever even tried one. I don't think I have either. And so it's it's just perfect because it's groundwork. We're laying the groundwork for new varietals on DVP. Oh. For oh, DVP. That, that's, wow, Jamie, that was quite good. Actually, I really love this label too. It is, it is a All really right. cool label. I'm cracking. All right, go for it. That was so easy. That was much easier than your Than mine your last time? Yeah, for sure. Glug, glug, glug. Oh. Oh. Smell it. It kind of smells like um, that you kind of get almost, oh, it smells like slate and like wet. Hold on. I think it smells waxy. Really? Yes. I'm getting a lot of wet rock. What? <laughs> All right. First and foremost, yes. cheers, my friend. Cheers. What? No? You don't think wet rock? Like, I'm really hung up on, like, beeswax. Like, it's... <laughs> which is not unusual. There are definitely wines that have a beeswax smell. I don't really know what beeswax smells like. You've never... No? You've never, like, had, like, beeswax? Like, I feel like... Where the hell have I hung out? I'm wondering. Like I'm, I'm wondering like where you have smelled beeswax. beeswax. Okay. Okay, it's a lot creamier than I expected. Oh, I might have some information that might make oh, you okay. think otherwise. But I will say, this is a pretty light wine, so I could see how you would not expect this to be a creamy wine at all because it's relatively pale. It's Yeah, it's creamier than I expected. I'm getting a little citrus. I was just going to say, I, I, yeah. literally, you just took the words out of my mouth. Mm. A little bit of citrus. Same wavelength. Yep. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you do kind of get that minerality at the end. Well, I think you're right. Maybe, well, maybe the rocks, maybe it's just because you have, like, rocks and, like, asphalt and shit like that on your mind that you're really pulling it, but oh, now... Are you saying, are you saying that saying our that topic is influencing my... Power of persuasion is all I'm putting out there, Sarah. That's it. That's it. Uh, I, honestly, power of persuasion, I mean, I could be at a tasting and somebody would be like, oh, 
pencil head. I'm like, oh yes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I get that. I get that graphite or freshly cut garden hose. Oh yeah, uh-huh. <laughs> maybe not that far. Uh-huh. Freshly cut grass. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> anyway, um, okay. So Grenache Blanc specifically, it's really uncommon, which is probably another reason why we haven't had it before. It is originally from Spain, where it's called Garnacha Blanca. Mm-hmm. It is actually a mutation of Grenache Noir. And so, I mean, it is literally, uh, it, I guess people probably thought it was like faulty, but they decided that, hey, we can actually make some good wines out of this. Yeah. So it got transported from Spain to the Rhone in France, which is now where it's primarily grown. So it became like an absolute staple, like one of the like go-to grapes that are included in Rhone blends and Chateau Neuf de Pop, like the white okay. blends. And so that is where it, how it primarily lives in Europe or how it's primarily represented. But then we brought it over to the States and in the States, they have again appreciated similar to our Carignan before they began to appreciate it for its single varietal and what it can do and the power that it has. So how would you describe this in terms of weight? Um, I think it's medium bodied, medium bodied. Yeah. So I just saw how it was, uh, fermented and now I know why I think it's creamy. It's that malolactic, uh, conversion. Mm. Yes. I think. Sorry. I didn't read all the notes. (laughs) I think that's why it tastes like a little bit of that creamy, but their tasting notes are kind of right on to what I was thinking. And I did not look at that before I said that. She did not. She did not turn it down. Or go down. River Rock Minerality Lemon Spritzer. But what is Donut Peach? Oh, they're peaches? This is a real thing? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I got to get you a picture. Have you not seen them before? It is a really weird thing to specify. I don't know how it tastes different than a regular peach. I mean, I saw Donut Peach and I thought it might be missing a comma. And it was supposed to say just donut. (laughs) They look like little butts. Oh, I have seen those. They're yeah. cute. Yeah. Okay. All they're right. not rounds. They're like, I mean, they're not all the way rounds. They're no, like, it, it does look like a little butt. Yeah. It almost looks like if you had a cinnamon roll and it wasn't, like, it was like where it ends, you yeah. know, on the outside. That's what it kind of looks yeah, like. Yeah. That's a donut peach. Now, I think they taste like peaches, though. You know what? <laughs> People like specificity. I was okay. going to say, green tea, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. All right. So, I mean, typical. Grenache Blanc. Uh, It can be aged in oak. It is very similar to Chardonnay in nature, only because it can have more of that medium, medium plus, full-bodied feeling. And it can actually do really, really well in oak and create that creaminess, like we did recently talked about it. Um, And I would say, this is what I found so interesting, Um, doing a little research on it, Wine Folly actually suggested that this is an excellent wine to pair with more of those steak-like fish, like swordfish or grilled snapper or mahi-mahi. I guess I don't think of mahi-mahi as like super steak-like, but it is more meaty, I guess. Hmm. It's not as soft. If I was blind tasting this, I would think it was probably a Chardonnay. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. And it is a little creamier than I probably would like, typically, but I do think that, again, sort of I would think right, it's an unoaked Chardonnay. You would think it's totally unoaked? It sounded like from yeah. the beginning that you thought it was slightly oaked anyway. No, it's that malolactic fermentation, okay. I'm telling you. Okay. Uh, and is it? Is it? What is it aged in? Oh. It's actually, it's aged in stainless steel. 
So it's it's not oat, but it did go through malolactic conversion after primary fermentation, which was done in the tank. Okay, what else is really fun? They do say that you can age this particular wine. This is from Groundworks website for about three to five years. Oh. So we're at like the two-year mark. So I've actually, I mean, I don't really age white wines. I would be interested to see what you this can might age turn into. Like, oh, yes, well, I've definitely heard that. Yeah. Duh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, this is good. Um, what's the uh, ABV on this? 12.6%. Okay. So actually, I sort of expected it to be higher based on what I had read in a couple different sources. Okay. They typically say that it's going to be about 13 to 15% ABV, um, but this doesn't have any residual sugar. It says it's fermented clean, and so to me, that means that there is zero residual sugar. And how much did you pay for this? I don't think it was right. expensive. I paid 22 for this. Oh, really? Yeah, and which made me a little upset because... You paid 22 for this? Yes. So, the 2018 on the website is $16. I know. That's why I'm a little upset about it. Yeah. Especially especially because I didn't use our coupon. (laughs) We had a coupon when we went shopping. I know. I forgot to use it. I was just too excited to pick up my damn wine, but whatever. Gotta rein it in, Jamie. I know. So... They say the serving recommendation is to chill in the refrigerator for 20 minutes, pull the cork, and quaff. What is quaff? Twist the cap? Wait. It is it 2018 cork? And quaff. Tell me what quaff means. It means drink. It means drink. <clears throat> really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. This this one says twist cap and quaff. Yeah. They must have So they must have changed the... Oh, I wonder... Oh, mm-hmm. my goodness. I wonder why they changed to cork. Oh, yeah. Even the expensive. picture... It's corked. That's a more expensive route. Why would they go that way? And it's cheaper. Oh, that's even more. Damn. Damn. Oh, the questions that are popping into my head. Okay. This is made by Sands Liege Wines. They make actually some other ones. I actually have one of them. Their Syrah called The Offering. Actually, okay. I think it's a GSM blend. But they have, they have quite a few uh, different labels underneath their... Their wines. Yeah. So. Um, you probably recognize so them. Kurt Schallischlin. <laughs> that was really bad. The winemaker. Oh, wow. That is actually a really challenging name. Yeah. Schallischlin. Um, Schallischlin. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Kurt. So, Good old Kurt. I know. I feel bad. This is made to bring his experience to a new set of wines that embrace the soul and simple living of the Rhone groundwork is built upon his comfort and confidence as a winemaker instructing him to trust in the fruit the vineyards and his own rich experience as guides Interesting. i'm not, I'm not really sure what that means but i just feel like it's it's a very fancy way of saying that the winemaker is doing his job mm-hmm. <laughs> i don't i don't want to downplay it because the winemaker has a lot of decisions but i feel like what was just described is that, yes, you have to trust the fruit, yeah. you have to trust your vineyards, and uh, you need to use your past experiences to make wine. Yeah, agreed. Okay. His vision is, don't tell me the oasis is a myth. In order to continue on, we all must believe. Now, I feel like what? the oasis here is no fucking road work. That's never going to happen, James. Uh, as Kurt just said, don't tell me it's a myth. Uh, don't you dare. I mean... You know, it's absolute insanity. 
I just, I honestly feel like once they finish a project, I'm just so excited. And then it seems like only a few months go by and then it's the orange cones just pop up. Dude, they've been outside in my house now for like six months. You had some really significant work going on here. Mm-hmm. They still haven't filled those holes on that side of your sidewalk, girl. Oh, they did it today. Oh, they did? Oh, yep. it's dark. Except it's like, let me just tell you guys about this frustration. Okay. <laughs> Here's my griping right now. Here's her plate. So, it's fall. There's leaves on the ground. <gasps> oh my God, Sarah. Okay. So, there was leaves in our driveway. And my husband was at work all weekend and I felt like, you know what? Let me help him out a little bit. Cause usually he does all that. I'm going to go outside and I'm going to clean up the leaves. This is not something I do. I've never raked a leaf okay. in my life. I actually think it might be kind of soothing, like a Zen garden almost. Yeah. But you might correct me. He here. thought it was hilarious that I've never cut the grass. And I was like, I don't understand why you think that that is a laughable matter, but it's okay. Why would I have ever cut the grass? I don't understand. <clears throat> I tried once and I failed miserably when I was Never like tried. 12. No idea. Yep. Anyway, so I go outside. It was like a decent day outside yesterday. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, sweep everything. I swept up like the whole driveway, made piles of leaves, like, you know, did the best I could, right? Pretty good. Because when he came home at night, he was like, oh, did the lawn service come? And I'm like, no, that was me. (laughs) Thank you. And he was like, are you serious? (laughs) What happens today? No. They come in to fill in the holes from the construction they've been doing that have been sitting there now, like not done for two weeks. Over two weeks since they said they were going to do it. What is all over my driveway? Leaves. Leaves. Everywhere. What did they do? I don't know. I don't know. But I was pissed. I mean, did they take a blow thing and just blow it all around? No, I think they did have a blower. Yeah. I don't know what. Because there was leaves in the, Mm -hmm. the holes in the grounds. So they must have done that. Suspect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then Adam had to go back and clean it up today, and I was like, "I'm so mad." <laughs> You're like, I tried so hard. I was like, "Well, what's the point?" Anyway, that's just a mini construction gripe because there's been a lot more than that that we've had to deal with. I actually watched my neighbor back up into a <laughs> huge ass hole in the ground. Did you say this happened at like 6.15 in the morning? It was the most hilarious thing. Oh my God. Because he has a BMW. It was 6 (laughs) a.m. And I was in my room and I was like just waking up and all I heard was, why the fuck is there a hole in the ground? And I'm like, whole construction crew is around there. And his car is... They had to come tow it, right? I don't... It was like a three hour process. Mm -hmm. I took pictures. Just so you can randomly scroll through your phone and be like, oh, oh, oh. I mean, I know laugh. that's mean, but like it was, it was semi-comical. So I believe it. Well, unfortunately, your neighbor and you are not the only ones who've had to deal with this. It's really interesting, by the way. I was talking to a, a project manager, like a construction project manager, mm-hmm. specifically mostly road stuff. Yeah. And I learned, I learned a lot. Okay. But let me tell you a few really fun facts that blew my mind. 
first of all, construction can be federally funded, right? Like the state or whatever. Or it could be privately funded. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. I don't know. Hospitals need to build roads or stuff like that. Okay. In 2017, the statistic for the amount of highways, the mileage of highways in the entire U.S., 4.17 million miles. I think that sounds like a lot. And that's just highways. That's not like streets. That's crazy. That's just highways. What's even crazier... Okay. All right. I'm going to build up. So what's even crazier is that in 2017 as well, U.S. vehicle miles traveled on highways. Okay. So your car is driving on the highway. 32.2 billion miles. That so is a lot of miles. That's like 800 times up and down all those miles of highway. I think I did the math right. I'm not sure. Don't fault me. I'm drinking. Okay. And the, you're doing better than me. Thanks. The third statistic. Okay. And this one I'm not quite sure about how they calculate it. Yeah. Because it's passengers. Miles traveled by passengers on a highway. And like, do they just have somebody sit there and monitor the number of humans that are in a car? Like, that have, like, more than one passenger. I mean, I just don't understand how they calculate that. But regardless, I just thought this was a really fun number. 5.2 trillion miles. Damn. Trillion. But if you think about the number of passengers that there are, I guess that doesn't really sound too surprising. But damn, that's a lot of fucking zeros behind that 5.2. That's a lot. A lot of fucking zeros. Too many for me to count right now. 9, 12, 15. 14, technically. One hundred million dollars. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do it. I I just told one of our friends last night that we pull that out quite a bit. <laughs> one hundred million dollars. Yeah. Uh, okay. So one thing that I learned that I thought was really interesting because again, it it feels like every fucking road is under construction all the fucking time. Yeah. And if they're not, then you basically just wait a week and then bam. You'll see the cones up again, and you'll have to merge, and there will be no shoulder. And it'll look like they're not doing absolutely anything for a number of months, if not a full year. It's really annoying. Am I right? It's really fucking annoying. It's really annoying. So I was talking to my friend who, as I said, is a project manager uh, for this. Well, I guess one of the clients is the state, but Mm -hmm. that's not the only client that she works with. But so she informed me that these projects happen, they are proposed like a, at least a decade beforehand, generally. Mm-hmm. So there are all these proposals that are put out there. Typically, the clients are going to go for the cheapest. Uh-huh. They're going to go for the fastest yeah. based upon what's in the proposal. Of course, everybody knows that they need to under budget and they need to under... Um, underestimate the hours in order to get chosen and so every project has to go through these new like amendments and so then that's why shit gets taxed on or tacked on and tacked on right but what really surprised me is that every time you see some construction on a big highway like that it has gone through so many years of analysis Right, they they like track everything. They run numbers after a number, like after collecting data yeah. for a few years or something like that, or probably more. Then they have to collate that and put it into a proposal. But then they also have to come up with a solution. 
or a couple solutions to solve whatever problem it is that they've identified. And then they need to present that. And then months down the road, a Somebody is selected, right? You yeah. get an RFI or request for information. Right. And you basically like put forward everything that you possibly can and hope that you get chosen. Okay. So it, it really, knowing how much time actually lapses between when the project is initially thought of as compared to when it is actually executed, it made a lot more sense in my mind because I was like, well, it surprised me, but it also was like, oh, yeah, well, I guess because they make the proposal a decade ago, but then they're doing the work now and they have other things that they have to consider Yeah, that have sprouted up. You know, if a new school went in or if a new police station went in or, I mean, I don't even know. I'm, I'm just throwing, like spitballing and throwing random things out. Or somebody buys up a huge property and decides they want to zone it and build a new subdivision yeah. off of a main road or something. I, I don't know. But it's like... There are so many things that go into it that they then have to make modifications. Like one of the things that she also told me was that they were building a road off of the main highway. And even though it wasn't the highway technically, she was still part of it. And they were building this road or fixing it and widening it because they had to install certain new lanes because there was a hospital being built, right? And then as they're doing this project, all of a sudden another competing hospital starts getting built directly across the fucking street. Oh, wow. Yeah. So then they had to modify their plans in order to accommodate that. It adds time. It adds money. It adds length of when you can actually open a fucking road. It's just so stupid. But so many more things that I just didn't appreciate that now I'm like, okay, all right. I still don't like it, but I guess I can understand it a little bit better. Well... I feel like that kind of stuff happens all the time with construction. It never goes as planned. I mean, and I'm not Nothing even just talking in life load. goes as planned. I'm just talking <laughs> like all construction. Mm-hmm. Like whatever they tell you, just tack on six months to that. Never believe. Yeah. Like however much dollars because it's going to be more expensive and it's going to take longer. Exactly. Assume everything is underestimated. Yeah. How much money do you think that we've spent on highways and roads? Oh my God, something fucking absurd. I'm going billions. Yeah. How many billions? 11. Girl, let me tell you. (laughs) In 2016, yeah, we spent $175 billion. Oh shit, I was off by a lot. (laughs) Or 6% of direct general spending on highways and roads. It was the sixth largest source of direct general spending on both the state and local level in 2016 and has been since 1996. Oh my god. It's been sixth in spending? Yep. 91% of it is for regular highway and road systems and 9% for like toll facilities, turnpikes, bridges, things like that. Um, Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I wonder how much other countries spend on roads and stuff like that. I know that Singapore is rated the country with the highest qu- road quality. I don't know all I know, of the details. I would, I would believe that. I couldn't actually get into the full article on that one. I was very Listen. intrigued to find out where we fell on that spectrum. And? I, I couldn't see oh, it. It you said, you can pay whatever oh, I for see. access to the full data. So like, when we went to Italy and Slovenia, yeah. the roads were so nice. I think it's fucking America, man. 
Well, okay. It's also where we live in terms of like snow and ice and that kind of thing. That's true, but they also, so there are other things that you could put on the road besides just salt, which eats away at the fucking ground, which is why there are so many cracks and potholes in the fucking asphalt because the salt that they put out for snow is Mm -hmm. bad. Like I've seen, um, I remember that there was like a report, maybe it was a couple of years ago, where, do you remember seeing a bunch of like purple shit being put out on the roads here? No. It's like, it's beet something. Okay. I don't know what it is, but supposedly it's better for the environment, better for the roads, but still does the same thing. And I was like, oh, that seems so much better. I'm sure it costs a shit ton more, but if you think about it, well... If you think about it from a logical standpoint, from most humans, mm-hmm. everyone would be like, oh, it costs a little bit more, but the longevity, longevity of the roads is well-maintained. There are fewer potholes. There are fewer accidents caused by potholes. Because if yeah. you in, if you damage your car on a pothole, I'm pretty sure you can't sue like where you are, like the city or the town or whatever, really? or a pothole. Okay. I don't think so. Okay. I mean, otherwise, I feel like people would be suing left and right. It just doesn't make sense to go up against a federal body. No, it doesn't. But that is logical human speak and thought. That is not, you know, we got to promote new jobs and we need to have more work and we need to just show that we're doing things to keep improving. Mm -hmm. You know, how many signs do you see on the side of the road that it's like, oh, I-55 improvement project, expected completion date, October 2018. Like, I remember that shit used to be up. Anyway. um, But there are things that you can do that will actually make a road last longer. Have you heard about these, like, heated sidewalks and, like, heated roads? No. Where is that? I don't, you know, they have them in, like, I think Boston, maybe? Oh, like around like college campus and stuff? I, it's like, I don't, there's like roads that de-ice itself. Japan has it, I guess, to help deal with snow. Wow. Yeah. Holland, Michigan has it. Oh, that place is cute. It's like 168 miles of tubing coiled beneath the concrete. So they have the largest publicly owned snow melt system in the country. Damn. Yeah. The snowmelt system in Holland uses uh, waste water, so it's like miles of tubing. Oh. Um, and then it heat it, they heat it and it cools or it heats the the streets, and then there's also a way to cool the water before it's in, it goes into the lake, so that the streets are free of any accumulated snow. Okay. Well, so like, what else could we do? You mentioned something wild to me before we started recording that. I personally have not heard of. What's the future look like? So I heard that <laughs> the future could be underground underground roads. So potentially we're laying the groundwork for underground roads. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Okay. That was so dumb. <laughs> Sorry. So and worth it. None other than Elon Musk. Of course. Has come up with this concept. So it would Wait, be so what for, exactly it is, is it? So it would be for like really busy cities like LA, New York, like okay. I assume Chicago would be in that. Um, there's actually a YouTube video on this with a, of course, a Tesla, a red Tesla. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In in like gridlock traffic, 
And then there's an elevator that lowers the car underground to a road network in which individual cars are transported at high speeds on like a metal trolley between destinations. Wait, so you basically are going on a car train? Pretty much. I'm showing Jamie the video here, or the YouTube video. That looks really yeah. cool. So that would that would get rid of traffic and collisions. Because it's because you're not actually driving, you're just being transported on this metal plate. Mm -hmm. There's a company called Oricon. They're a global engineering and infrastructure advisory company, and they're working on a bunch of city shaping tunnel projects. So I guess this includes like Melbourne apparently has a metro tunnel. Anyways, they're kind of trying to figure out a lot of these like large cities have like reached their capacity to absorb any new infrastructure like on the ground. Well, yeah, but so, in order to build these underground things, don't you have to tear up all of the overground things? Yeah, I'm not sure. So it is a futuristic tunnel system, but it would help with this like gridlock that a lot of cities are in. I was immediately going to go to the negative route here, but I will go the positive route first. So I like the idea that it would essentially avoid collisions because the driver themselves is not driving. I think that would be very scary though because what if these crazy fuckers decided to start driving? Also, anyway, okay, but so it's good. Well, so fewer collisions, so that's great. They could have like a, a feature on there that would disable the car from turning oh, on. Oh, I see. Um, okay. But... So there's two things that people would think that would would prevent this, and one is cost, mm -hmm. and the other is safety. And so for cost, he's saying that the things that make something really expensive, like for underground things, are more of like the stations that are the network costs, right? Not necessarily like the tunnel. So he's saying that the, they would have to make sure that the mechanism of the elevator that transports the car underground is cost effective and quick yeah but if there's no stations then that decreases the cost i guess significantly well be but the thing is you have to have like stop-offs i mean i'm actually thinking about in chicago there's uh, lower whacker yeah and lower whacker is basically this whole underground portion you have upper whacker directly above you but you don't have all the stoplights that are you do have some stoplights but you don't have all the stoplights that are you know, at every single freaking intersection. You kind of go for a little bit and then you stop because then you can have their left turn lanes to go up and then get onto the upper whacker. So to me, that's what it sort of sounds like. And if you didn't, I mean, things would be smooth sailing, but then you'd kind of be stuck on there. So you, if you, fewer stations would mean that you would reduce the usability of it because people would be like, well, I got to get off way earlier, so I'm not going well, no, to overshoot it. I think what he's saying is that you won't have any stations because you'll just have these lifts. There's not actually like a huge ass station. Oh, I thought the lifts were at the stations. No, there's no oh. stations is what he's saying. Okay. Also, in terms of safety, <coughs> the cars are going to have, they're going to be propelled forward by electric trolleys. Mm -hmm. And so there's no petrol or diesel emissions and there's no need for increased power supply because I guess... They're going to have these electric trolleys, so that means that they'll be more safe. Emit less bad stuff into yes. the air. Yes, and then the tunnels could be also smaller. Can I just tell you, though? It sounds like 
pure claustrophobia. I just, thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, I would go, I I mean, I'd lose my shit. (laughs) I'm like claustrophobic. I can't. I think it'd be scary. What if something happened down there? That's literally what I was thinking about. Like, what if, what if the power went out while you were down there? Oh my God. What if your car got stuck? What if, sorry, now I'm going to pull this whole thing around because like, what if you were like the metro stations in Washington, D.C. where there were fucking fires all the time? I know. He's talking about L.A. Isn't that, isn't California burning down? There is a lot of shit happening. Earthquakes? Could you imagine oh if my you were, gosh. there was an earthquake? No, you were I would oh. like, no. No. Anyways. So that's, okay, that's, so that's, that's a potential future. Yeah, uh-huh. I have another potential future. Okay. Plastic. I mean, we use it for a lot of things, right? We put food inside of plastic. Which isn't the best idea, but yes. Mm-hmm. What? No, it's not. Uh, we put flowers inside of plastic. We put, we put a lot of shit in plastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We have... Sh- I have shoes made out of recycled water bottles. Super comfy, by the way. Oh, yeah, you do. Yes. We, they are not a sponsor, so we're not going to name them. But yeah. um, super comfy. I definitely support them. But so there's a lot of shit that plastic is being made for. Also, I didn't know that you can, when you donate, there are some organizations that will actually make like mats, like sleep mats out of recycled shopping bags. For oh, homeless. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't, I was not really aware of that until more recently. But anyway, so there's this idea out there that you can make plastic roads. Now... Okay, I'm listening. Yeah, because, well, there are some pros and some cons here. And granted, I don't have all of the details about it. However, they claim that plastic roads are more durable than asphalt alone. Okay. And so, um, you know, that is certainly a positive Um, it's certainly a great way to reduce the actual waste from plastic Mm -hmm. because you can just recycle this shit and put it into a fucking road and it, it doesn't fill up landfills. It doesn't go into the ocean. Mm -hmm. Like doesn't do a lot of things that really cause significant problems. Yeah. However, they are, there are still like one thing that you would hear about, would, would learn about is that, um, certain plastics when they're heated, they can release toxic chemicals. And so there's some concern um, by environmentalists that they've, they've really sort of expressed like a, a significant issue with the fact that there could be releasing a lot of toxic chemicals and what is the actual trickle effect there? Like what can we expect to have happen? What about like when it's really hot outside? Oh, does like, it does melt? melts? That's a great question. If you're in like Death Valley, doesn't it get like, isn't it like 110 on like a good day? And then talk about toxic chemicals being released. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let me tell you this though. There's actually pilot projects going on with this. It's so wild. Europe, um, there's a company in the UK. It's located in Lockerbie. Okay. It is called McReber. All right. Or McReber. And they actually have a whole plant that's just, like, dedicated to doing this. Interesting. Yes. But one thing that they do is that they actually mix the um, plastic with okay. asphalt. So they use plastic bottles, plastic bags, and they mix it with some sort of asphalt. Now, these companies that are doing it, there's also Dow that's here. They do not indicate how, like, what their actual, quote-unquote, secret uh, formula is 
for what this mixture is. Like how much is actually asphalt, how much is actually plastic. However, the, the interesting thing, especially when we're talking about like stateside here, is that one of the pilot programs in the U.S. is actually, it started in February, and there were two private roads constructed in Freeport, Texas, which is apparently outside of Houston. Uh-huh. I've never been myself. Okay. But they used recycled plastic. It said 1,700 pounds or the equivalent weight of 120,000 plastic grocery bags. Well, I mean, I like that that feels like we would be using what would otherwise be waste. Oh, totally. I like like the whole recycled situation that that would help. I mean, that's kind of cool. Oh, definitely. But I do, I do think that the concerns that were raised about, you know, what, what's the, what are the unintended consequences is often a question that is overlooked by many because, you know, I mean, asphalt seemed fantastic like back in the day, but I'm sure that what goes into asphalt is now different. Uh There are other things that go into it that maybe it used to be really fucking good. And then, sorry, this sounds like very terrible to say about the U.S., but sometimes I think we make decisions to go cheaper (laughs) Uh and not have as high quality products. And so I think that the it's likely... Although this is not proven, but it's likely that, you know, what is now used as road building material is often um, a significant lesser quality than what used to exist because they need to make it more readily available, Mm -hmm. you know? So I would just imagine that we would have to think of additional things to go in it in order to keep making roads. That would make sense, but I guess it would depend on how much asphalt are they thinking of using in in this in this they don't say okay they don't i'm just saying like comparatively the asphalt that we use presently in different projects different states things like that like there are so many potholes is that because it's snowing a lot is that because we salt too much is that because we drive terribly is that because we have bad asphalt oh it's probably a combination i yeah i expect it's a combination but you know you never know I know. It's all crappy. I am totally with you. I agree that it's really cool that there are... There's already a thought to kind of overcome some of these obstacles that we've encountered with roads and sort of the overcrowding of streets. So can I tell you... What? So tolls, right? I mean, they're supposed to help, Oh my God, don't. So we don't have any tolls here in Wisconsin, but there are some in Illinois, and they can be pricey. Yes, they can. Okay. So I drove to Toronto from Detroit. That's like three hours maybe okay. on the Canadian roadway. Okay. Highway. Nice roads. Sure. There and back. Now I got a bill for the tolls. How much do you think that was? I'm gonna say twenty five. So forty eight dollars, I think, was my bill. Oh my god. Isn't that crazy? That's insane. I know. I was like, damn, Canada. Uh, I guess they got to make some money to support the roads somehow, right? I guess so. Am I right? They got to lay the groundwork there. <laughs> My question is, is what happens if I don't pay it? Probably not worth it to figure out, find out, Sarah. No, I know, but like... You're going to be like... <laughs> is the Canadian government going to come after me? Like, what? Well, I mean, like, honestly. Please like, don't. I'm going to pay it, but I'm just saying, hypothetically. Please don't. Anyway. All right. Should we get back to this wine? Let's do it. You still don't smell the beeswax? Maybe... Okay. Honeysuckle? It smells a little flower. Okay, yes, honeysuckle. I did think that in the beginning. 
I thought like it smells like if you're smelling like the stamen of the. Is that the right word? Oh my god, you just got so nerdy. Is that the right word? Yeah, are you saying like the flower? Yeah, like the yeah. the inside it's thing. It's like the. It's like the, the orange part. Yeah. Yeah. Are you are you out <coughs> smelling that? Like, how do you know what that smells like? <laughs> do you never just shove your nose in a flower? I mean, I do, but I like <laughs> don't shove my nose in. I like. Lightly smell I mean, its aroma. I don't sniff up like the pollen through I mean, my nose, but I'm not making love to the flower. I'm just like, <laughs> I'm just like lightly enticing. The aroma is enticing, and then I can kind of get put my nose like maybe two inches from it, and I'm like, oh, that smells nice. Wow, we definitely have different flower smelling techniques. We, we do. I don't know how we got on that, but okay. If you do, if you do this, the short sniffs, little little green apple, little teeny tiny. It's a little tart, but I don't really get a ton of acidity on the palate. Mm-mm. Not a ton, but there's a little bit. A little bit of acidity. I read, too, that Grenache Blanc can be a great like spring and fall because it's sort of like transition-y because it, it can have like a little hint of spice to it as well. I read somewhere like some of them can have like cumin. Okay. Which That's sounds kind of scary. really weird. <laughs> exactly. It sounds a little weird to me. But you never know. I mean, there are more bizarre pairings. I mean, I just think the creaminess is what throws me off because I wasn't expecting it. And that's what would make me feel like it, like I said before, that if I was blind tasting, I would maybe go for an unknown shard. Shard. Especially because this is, it's not a very popular grape. And so because this one is sort of like flying under the radar, I would probably yeah. go shard No, too. I would totally call it. Yeah. So, wow. I learned something new today. And it just felt really good to like sort of vent about construction because I sit there in my car all the time and I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? The worst is when like everyone's slowed down, something's closed and no one's working. Okay. Before we get off, we need to tell the story of when me and you came back from Napa and drove from O'Hare. Oh my God. All of a sudden Sarah and I are driving, Sarah's driving on passenger and the fucking road is closed. The entire the highway. The whole fucking highway. The whole highway is just closed. And we were like, what? Now it it's was, like, what, midnight? But still, yeah. the whole, I mean, it was like 10 miles worth of highway, which then meant, didn't it take us like over what two hours? About 10 miles. It was like 40 miles. No. Mm-hmm. It was from the Wisconsin border all the way home. It was the whole border. It was like, we had to take these frontage roads and we were like, what the fuck? And there was like weird stop signs. This is what killed me. Nobody was working. No. No. That's what I don't understand because it's like, why the fuck do you have shit closed down? When no one's working. working, I don't get that. Can someone please tell me why that is? Because that is frustrating. If we are slowed down and we are in traffic because people are working, then great. That's one thing. Fine. But when no one's working, what the hell's happening? Yeah. Why? Also, I don't believe. I mean, this is my own personal opinion, but like work zone speed limits, should they be valid when nobody's working? Uh, yeah, I totally I'm just going to leave you with that. <laughs> you guys can probably guess my answer. <sighs> All, right. All right. Well, um, thanks for listening. Yeah. Um, try Grenache Blanc. This is actually... Yeah, try it, guys. This is definitely something that's worth... I think it's worthwhile to test yeah, out. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting. This is maybe a slightly thinking, slightly thinking, maybe interesting to drink with a buddy. Like yeah. Sarah. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> I'm a buddy. All right. All well, right. thanks, guys. Cheers. Thanks. Till next time. Cheers.
Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers Cheers from from the the girls of DBP. DBP.